Letters 12 to 13 of The Power of Sympathy or The Triumph of Nature Founded in Truth by William Hill Brown. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Letter 12 Mrs. Holmes to Myra. In continuation my good father-in-law being so strenuous in proving the eligibility of reading satire had spurned out what he called his new idea to such a metaphysical nicety that he unhappily diminished the number of his hearers for mrs bourne to whom he directed his discourse had taken down a book and was reading to herself and miss was diverting herself with the cuts in gay's fables a considerable silence ensued which worthy first broke by asking mrs bourne what book she had in her hand every one's attention was alarmed at this important inquiry mrs bourne with little difficulty found the title-page and began to read a sentimental journey through france and italy by mr yorick i do not like the title said miss bourne why my dear apostrophized the mother you are mistaken it is a very famous book why my dear retorted the daughter it is sentimental i abominate everything that is sentimental it is so unfashionable too i never knew before said mr holmes that wit was subject to caprice of fashion why squire billy returned miss who is just arrived from the centre of politeness and fashion says the bettermost genie never read any sentimental books so you see sentiment is out of date the company rose to go out sentiment out of date cries worthy repeating the words of miss bourne and taking the book from her mother as she walked towards the door sentiment out of date alas poor yorick may thy pages never be soiled by the fingers of prejudice he continued his address to them as they went out in the same shandian tone these anti-sentimentalists would banish thee from the society of all books unto what a pitiful size are the race of readers dwindled surely these antis have more to do with thee than the gods of the canaanites in character and understanding they are alike eyes have they but they see not ears have they but they hear not neither is there any knowledge to be found in them it is hardly worth while to beat it into them said my father-in-law so let us follow the company we did so they walked toward the house and worthy and myself brought up the rear i could not but remark as we went on that miss bourne had spoken the sentiments of many of her sex and whence said i to worthy arises this detestation of books in some of us females and why are they enemies to anything that may be called sentiment and conversation i grant it often happens there is such rapidity of speeches that one may be at a loss to distinguish the speakers but why is there such a calm silence should an unfortunate sentiment inadvertently i will tell you interrupted he you all read and it is from the books which engage your attention that you generally imbibe your ideas of the principal subjects discussed in company now 
the books which employ your hours of study happen to be novels and the subjects contained in these novels are commonly confined to dress balls visiting and the like edifying topics does it not follow that these must be the subjects of your conversation i will not dispute whether the novel makes the woman or the woman makes the novel or whether they are written to engage your attention or flatter your vanity i believe the results will show they depend in some measure upon each other and an uninformed woman by reading them only augments the number of her futile ideas the female mind notwithstanding is competent to any talk and the accomplishments of an elegant woman depend on a proper cultivation of her intelligent powers a barrenness a sterility of conversation immediately discovers where this cultivation is wanting give me leave answered i to espouse the cause of this class of females tell me candidly mr worthy whether that insipid flattery perhaps sacrificed at the expense of truth does not misguide many of us into erroneous paths you declare we are handsome and your conduct demonstrates you to be more solicitous for the possession of beautiful than of mental charms hence is the deluded female persuaded of the force of her fascinating powers and vainly imagines one glance of her eye sufficient to reduce a million of hearts whenever she chooses her aims therefore are confined to the decoration of her person and her views centre solely in finishing herself in those attractive all-powerful graces with which you declare yourselves to be enchanted how then are they to be censured for neglecting to improve the mind when your adulation diverts their attention to an external object i join with you replied worthy in calling it insipid flattery the vain coxcomb the powdered bow the insignificant petit maitre all those who make use of it will women of real merit and sound sense believe what is said by them to be their real sentiments no there must be a congeniality in the minds of those who give and receive flattery has not the vain coquette as much inclination to be thought a goddess as the empty admirer to declare her so flattery has become a kind of epidemical distemper many run into it perhaps without designing it or only through civility there are some women who expect it who dress to be admired and who deem it a mark of impoliteness and rudeness in men who do not pay them the tribute of compliment and adulation a man of sense may comply with their expectation he will still think them agreeable playthings to divert him at an hour of relaxation but i cannot suppose he will entertain any serious thoughts of a more permanent connection may we not conclude these things to be productive of many evils that happen in society do they not frighten all sentiment from conversation introduce affectation pride envy clandestine marriages elopements division of families and ultimately terminate in the ruin of very many innocent but inconsiderate females by this time we had got into the house and our company soon after departed leaving us at full leisure to contemplate on the many wrong ideas entertained 
and fallacious steps pursued by the generality of mankind in the sentimental part of female education. Adieu. Letter 13 Worthy to Myra Bellevue A peaceful, recluse life is suited to my temper. There is something in the soft breath of nature, in the delicacy of smiling meadows and cultivated fields, in the sublimity of an aged wood, of broken rocks, of rivers pouring along their lucid waves, to which the heart always gives a ready reception. There is something within us congenial to these scenes. They impress the mind with ideas similar to what we feel in beholding one whom we tenderly esteem. I was making this observation to Mrs. Holmes, and she told me I was in love. These are the very scenes, said she, which your beloved Myra used to praise and admire, and for which you, by a secret sympathy, entertain the same predilection. The piece of embroidery which she worked at an early age, and which ornaments the temple, I have seen you gaze upon several times. You seem to trace perfection in every part of it, because it was executed by the hand of Myra. I acknowledge that I have often gazed upon it, as Mrs. Holmes terms it, but did not recollect it to be a piece of your work. I stole an opportunity to revisit it by myself, and I instantly remembered it. I remembered when you finished it, and all the happy, inoffensive scenes of our childhood returned fresh upon my heart. It is the work, Myra, I said to myself. Did not her fingers trace these beautiful expanding flowers? Did not she give to this carnation its animated glow, and to this opening rose its languishing grace? Removed as I am, continued I in a certain interior language that every son of nature possesses, removed as I am, from the amiable object of my tenderest affection, I have nothing to do but to admire this offspring of industry and art. It shall yield more fragrance to my soul than all the bouquets in the universe. I did not care to pursue the thought. It touched a delicate string. At first, however, I flattered myself I should gain some consolation. But I lost in every reflection. I considered the work as coming from your hand, and was delighted the more with it. A piece of steel that has been rubbed with a lodestone maintains the power of attracting small bodies of iron. So the beauties of this embroidery, springing from your hands, continue to draw my attention, and fill the mind with ideas of the artist. Farewell. End of Letters 12 and 13